Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Between a full-time job in IT and a full-time job in podcasting, it gets harder and harder to sit down and read the books I'm interested in. This is where Audible comes in. I can listen on my daily commute, relaxing, or while out running errands and still get in the books I've been wanting to get into. You can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. Now you can try Audible risk-free with a special 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. That's audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. Don't let your busy life get in the way of that great book you've been wanting to read. Go get your free trial of Audible today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is Jeffrey, and we've talked about many times before that I experience problems and struggles with my mental health. And really, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy does work. It's helped for me. But but what is is therapy exactly? It's it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships at work or you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's really time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles. And, and it's time to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And there's a special offer to Nerdery and Murdery listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash nerderyandmurdery. That's betterhelp.com forward slash nerderyandmurdery. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. First of all, if you dare do an episode on Strangers with Candy, I will fly to Fort Worth and rip your hearts out and show them to you before you hit the ground. Second, I now want to watch The Mandalorians, but if you tell me it's on the communist Disney app, I'm going to fucking kill you. That's all. Welcome to episode 32 of Nerdery and Murdery. At 32. Idiot. <laughs> this episode comes out on January 9th. Um, and I wanted to thank you again for picking me up from the doctor. I really appreciate it. Oh, that. sure. That it's been fun. a long couple of weeks. Uh, just glad to get back here to record. Right on. Um, 
And uh, uh, this is the first time in a couple of episodes where Keith's not here. So That's right. there, there's his name drop for this episode. <laughs> uh, Keith Chinwith, Keith Chinwith, Keith Chinwith. Just in case we didn't catch him in the last few. Um, something I thought about since our holiday episode, and it's I, I've, I've waited for us to record so I could t- talk about this. I cannot believe both you and I missed a holiday episode that I think we both probably should have had on our list. And I can't believe we missed it. Mm-hmm. So the holiday movie that neither one of us had on the list that shocks me. Mm-hmm. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, how did we? My God, how did we not have that on the list? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, when I when I when it, when it hit me, I'm like, oh my God, that's like one of my favorites, and for some reason, I just drew a block. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now. I know. Where, it, where's your hand between two pillows? Those aren't pillows. <laughs> You know, that's just, that's so funny that we both completely did not put it on there. That's a great holiday movie. Yeah. So, you know, I talked to Shelly about it and, uh, you know, we were talking about some other ones, you know, there's a lot of people that'll have Home Alone on there. Home Alone to me is one that gets old very quickly. I didn't like it at the time. It was Uh, one of those things. It's just like, and it's, it's John Hughes. I I know. But it was just like, nope. So is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Is it really? That's a John Hughes movie. Okay. I love that movie. I think. I hope. (laughs) I hope I'm saying that. So anyway, so yeah, so I I, I had to say that was the the one we forgot. So um, that's all I had. Um, So unless you have, uh, have anything else uh no no not today i kind of wanted to get into the uh the nerdery a little bit today (laughs) because we were told not to (laughs) which is of course why we're doing it (laughs) i'm so glad we were able to come to this this is uh strangers with candy and this is for dr roddy absolutely because he's going to hate this episode. Oh, yeah. He's going to absolutely hate it. He hated he hate- Strangers with Candy. Oh, gosh. And I, and I don't understand why. It's so funny. It's hysterical. It's very, it's very irreverent. I told I told Will right before we were beginning, this is one of the most irreverent shows ever on TV. I oh, mean, yeah. ri- rivals South Park. Oh, yeah. It's irreverency. Oh, yeah. Um, but, man, I, there's really, really some good acting in this. Stephen Colbert is great in this. Yes. Uh, Amy Sedaris is incredible Amy in this. Amy Sedaris is amazing in this. And, you know, I, I love seeing her in other things outside of Strangers with Candy because <laughs> it's hard to recognize her in, in, from Strangers with Candy. Yeah, I put in a, I put in a, a picture of her in her, fa- her, her fat suit, her Jerry Blank outfit, mm-hmm. and then one of the cast outside of it. So you could see she doesn't even look like the same person. No, not even remotely. And, and, it, and it's so funny. And it's, I mean, they, they base the whole show like an after school special gone wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's Sorry. all, that's all right. There's always a lesson to learn. Jerry learns a lesson in every episode and, and, very often, they're the wrong lesson <laughs> to learn from yeah, that episode. Re- I've already rode that black tiger already. <laughs> oh my god, she says the most awful, awful things. So, so recap what the show is about. Okay, <clears throat> Strangers with Candy is an American comedy television series produced by Comedy Central. Uh, it first aired on April seventh, nineteen ninety nine, in 
concluded its third and final season on October uh, 2nd, 2000. Its time slot was Sunday at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, so 9 o'clock here. A uh, prequel film of the same name was released in 2005. And as of 2021, it is available to watch on Paramount+. Plus. Really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the development. The series was first envisioned by Paul Danello. Uh, Mitch Rouse and Stephen Colbert, all of whom had seen a scared straight type public service film called The Trip Back, in which motivational speaker Flory Fisher recalled her days as a New York prostitute to a group of high school students. Who's Paul Donnell? That's Joffrey Jellyneck. Joffrey Jellyneck. <laughs> Paul Donnell. Uh, and of course, Stephen Colbert was, uh, oh God, what was the character's name? Uh, Noblet. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Noblet. Uh, and they also noticed that. Uh, the, the Flory Fisher had a strong resemblance to their friend, Amy Sedaris. So they showed her a copy of the tape, and she was suitably impressed with uh, Sedaris's imitation of Fisher. Uh, they began developing a series based around the idea of Fisher going back to high school herself. So the idea is she dropped out of high school in at like 15 and then went around the world as a heroin user and a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And then comes back 30 years later to go back in as a sophomore in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she comes back home and her father, who is comatose mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in a frozen state, constantly. Yeah. He, he's always in it, but he's in it. And, 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 and it's and only when she walks in the room. Yes. And, and, and he's just completely frozen in different... Uh, it, in in different ways, different facial expressions, and her father has married a much younger woman mm-hmm. who who's has, actually younger than Jerry. Yes, and has a son of her own. Um, who? Oh God, Derek. He's. I mean, he's such a. He's an ass, and they're 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 both jerks to each other. Um, it's, God, it's so funny. I. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the whole movie is, Jerry, did you wipe your ass with the towels that were hanging up? And yes. she, her point was, I was in a hurry. It's, it's awful. Her stepmother hates her. Yeah. Just hates her. Um, it, it just, the things Jerry does, when because she... Her whole character, she's trying to turn her life around, and mentally, she's back to basically 15 years old. Yeah, she's a 15-year-old. But she still has a lot of her basically criminal mannerisms, Mm -hmm. and just the cross between them, the situations she gets in are just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, circling back. The four combined this concept with lampooning the after-school special that they had all been subjected to in high schools, along with the short-lived mid-1990s series, My Soul Called Life. Mm-hmm. So they drew a lot from that. of like, oh, yeah, we could really lampoon that. Uh, much of Jerry's past is taken from anecdotes in The Trip Back, uh, some of which are also in Fisher's autobiography, The Lonely Trip Back. Several lines of dialogue in the series were taken verbatim from Fisher's public service film. So Sedaris, Colbert, Danello, and Rouse were all cast members of the short-lived Comedy Central series Exit 57, Mm -hmm. along with Greg Holloman and many of the stars of the series. They were all alums of uh, Chicago's Second City Comedy Troupe. Uh, Every script was written by Sedaris and Danello as a team. Very occasionally, 
working with collaborator, uh, collaborators such as Rouse and Thomas Lennon. Um, Thomas Lennon, uh, he was, you know, all over television now, but originally was famous for Reno 911. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Colbert received a co-writing credit for the unaired pilot and later on the prequel movie. Uh, but he did not work as a writer on the series proper because I think at the time he had already gone over to the daily show. Mm -hmm. So he was, he was basically pulling double duty as the character of Chuck Knoblick and uh daily show correspondent. I don't remember if I remember him from the daily show first or this first. I mean, I, I watched strangers with candy from the beginning oh, yeah. when it came on. Uh, yeah, I think I was watching that. I was watching it with you, actually. <laughs> Very possibly. Yeah, I was like, oh, you got Because I guarantee it's something that I said, dude, you have to see <laughs> it, this. That's exactly what it was. And I sat down and I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. And then we watched The Daily Show right after. I was like, oh, this is a good show. Because I quit watching The Daily Show after Craig Kilborn left. Right. Um, and because I was worried because I liked mm -hmm. Jon Stewart's original show, The Jon Stewart Show, which mm -hmm. I thought was hysterical. Right. And I was worried that when he took over The Daily Show, it wouldn't be as good. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. They brought Jon Stewart into either an episode of Stranger with Candy or the movie. One of the two. But Jon Stewart uh, yeah. was in yeah. was in it at one point. Yeah, because he was, he was, he was kind of there through, through the whole process and just kind of, you know, digging it just like the right. rest of us were. Well, and, you know, and, and it, it eventually, it got quite a few relatively big uh, guest stars in it. Uh -huh. uh, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder was in the last episode. Yes. Uh, so, it, it, God. And just thinking about Jerry, when I when I think about her in, in, the, in her mannerisms, because she was, she was very ambiguous in her sexuality. Yes. Um, at times it was boys, at times it was girls and mm -hmm. it was very, you know, I, I remember the, um, the redheaded girl that, uh, uh Tammy, Tammy little nut, uh, <laughs> that, that she was always trying to make her friend. I remember when they had to do the, um, uh, I think it was the, the, the baby or the egg. I can't remember, but they had to care for, I think it was a baby. They had to care for a real baby. <laughs> and I remember it, that. And uh, Tavi was trying to tell uh, uh, Jerry because they got paired up as husband and wife, and Jerry really took on the um, alpha male dickhead role. Yes. And forced Tammy to care for the baby all the time. And Tammy's like, hey, can you take the baby so I can go to this class? And Jerry just, I mean, just goes off on her like she's in freaking prison. <laughs> and then, and then you know, and, and Tammy's starting to cry, and, and Jerry's like, Oh, come here, sugar. Come here, come here, come here, red or or, or carrot top or something. I mean, call her something very weird. You know, stroking her head. Come here, honey. Let me. You know, it's okay. Daddy'll take care of it. You know, and it was oh, it was just so irreverent, irreverent and funny. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe. And yeah, that was the whole idea was just. Uh, it was making society look back on itself. It was yes. really brilliant. She and had funny. Her her best friend was the was the guy that she just treated like shit. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember his name. I'm going to have to look it up because he, you know he was in almost every episode. I think I may I may have it. Uh, I may have it in here. Uh, so while you're looking that up, the plot, the series main character Geraldine Antonia Jerry Blank, played by Amy Sedaris, was a junkie whore runaway returning to high school as a freshman at 46 
at the fictional Flat Point High School, home of the Concrete Donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in this series was funny. Yes. Well, and 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 you know they they played on the uh, on the on the sign thing at the outside of the school. Mm-hmm. There was always something weird on the sign and something completely irreverent on the sign. Uh, Jerry ran away from home because uh, she became a boozer, a user, and a loser. That is a direct quote from Jerry. Mm-hmm. The opening of every show. Yeah. After dropping out of high school as a teenager, supporting her drug habit through prostitution, stripping, and larceny. She is. She's been in prison several times. The last time because she stole a TV. <laughs> Every episode featured a warp theme or moral lesson, and ends with a cast and other featured actors from the episode dancing. <laughs> Don't use heroin. Let's do a dance. <laughs> I think every episode ended yes. with, with that. Did, with the dance, yes. Did you just say that and I missed it? Yes. Okay, so Well, sorry. you were looking something up. Yes, I you, was. You were looking up Orlando. And she entered as a freshman, not a sophomore. So while well, I was, okay, so she left as a freshman and came back as a freshman. Yeah, okay. so I was look, looking that up to, to start over. Yeah, so every episode, yes, dancing. Sorry. <laughs> the last episode featured Flashpoint being turned into a strip mall because the show was canceled. Uh, the show was canceled to make room for a TV show called Strip Mall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and then they, uh, they went back and did a film a few years later. Strangers with Candy is a 2005 American comedy film directed by Paul Danello, written by Danello, Stephen Colbert, Amy Sedaris, and Mitch Rouse, and served as a prequel to the 1999 to 2000 comedy central television series of the same name. Colbert co-produced the film alongside executive producer David Letterman, and the film grossed $2.3 million. Um... And he talks about a 46-year-old former high school uh, dropout and self-described junkie whore. Uh, Jerry Blank is released from prison and returns to her childhood home. So it's the nice prequel right. is what the movie is. And so whereas it had a lot of the same themes, um, the movie to me felt a little tired. I, yeah. I don't think the movie is anywhere near as good as the no. series was. No. Um, you know, I enjoyed it just because I like going back to those characters and seeing them again, but, but, but I really, really didn't find the movie near as good. No, no I, I, I think they kind of lost something in the intervening years. Cause it was, yeah, four or Agreed. five years before the, Agreed. before the film came out. Now in the film, Jerry joins Chuck Noblet's science fair team, the Fig Neutrons, along with her <laughs> new friend, Megawati Scaranaputri, a spoof of Megawati Scaranaputri. Poetry and Tammy Littlenut. Noblet is not pleased to learn that Principal Onyx Blackman has hired a ringer for their team, Roger Beekman, uh, to ensure the flat uh, the flat point wins. And so Noblet created a second team uh, as she struggles to fit in and make her teammates proud. Jerry discovers that though the though the faces may have changed, the hassles of high school are just the same. So yes, Onyx Blackman. That. <sighs> This is another show. You don't think would, would get made because of because of Principal Blackman? Yeah, because oh, not just that. I mean, there's a ton in here. Uh, Jerry Jerry is very racist without uh-huh. realizing she's very racist. Yes. Her mother is insanely racist. Yes, um, her stepmother. Stepmother. Yeah, because when she comes back, when she gets out of prison, she discovers that her mom's died and her her dad's remarried. remarried. Right, <clears throat> which you don't see in the. You don't see in the series. You see that in the uh, well. They talk about it, but right. Well, and you know, and 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 let's put a fine point on it. Jerry Blank is forty three years old, or 40, 46. 46 years old. She's 
dating high school kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a crime. It is a crime. Um, I don't think she ever sleeps with any of them, but it comes close. Yes. Um, so, so, so yeah, this is, this is a show, like I said, is, is insanely irreverent. Well, late 1990s, early 2000s, Comedy Central would do anything. Oh God, yes. They, uh, they're not, they're not quite that way now, but boy, back then they just. Well, they still if, have South Park. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, I mean, that's. If it was funny, it played. Oh, sure. The Dave Chappelle show, which yeah. was, I, 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 I remember watching that and, and just thinking, should I find this funny? I'm, I'm concerned a little bit. Um, and this, and this was one of those too. Um, I, I think this one has, has a cult following. Yes. Um, people that enjoyed it and appreciated it, I, I think is, is a very cult following. As we said, you know, yeah. Dr. Evil hated this show. Oh yeah. And I can see why. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to hate in this show. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so funny. And it's so over the top. Oh my God. Um, I, I, the, the, the episode where she joins the track team and gets everybody to start juicing. Oh my God. And they all grow beards. Um, uh, <laughs> was it juicy? Or, yeah, there was that. And there was the, the glint. Episode where she's given everybody the fake designer drug, no. glint. <laughs> huh. You know, um, I I, I want to hear from 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 Doctor Rod why he hated this so much yes. because he loves South Park uh-huh. and Family Guy just like just like I do, uh-huh. and, and 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 I'm not sure why this wasn't this, this one wasn't up his alley. It. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't care for Amy Sedaris. I think she's hysterical. I think she's absolutely hysterical. Like I said, I love everything she's been in. I love uh-huh. Stephen Colbert. I, I love, love Paul uh, Donello. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was a really great cast that they put together. I loved how Jerry acted. Mm-hmm. I, you know, as 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 a she acted like a teenager, and so she was, you know, well, in, in like, her 40s. Yeah, like like we were saying, she it, they pulled some of her dialogue directly from this woman that inspired this idea. Um. Oh my god! In the voice, oh, the voice she uses for Jerry Blank, it's oh, very god. close to Amy Sedaris's voice, but it's different. Yes, yes. Um, the 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 relationship between her and her brother Derek. Yeah. Um, I mean, because they just they hate each other, uh, and, and and Derek gets Derek gets all the goodies that 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 Jerry doesn't. Yes. The the their their stepmother dotes on Derek. Yes. And is just. Awful to Jerry all the time. Well, it's not it, actually. It's her half brother. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, and the father is in a, in a stress-induced coma uh, <clears throat> every time Jerry walks into the room. So everybody'd be talking to him, and he'd be fine. And then Jerry walks in the room, and he makes this face like he's being scared, and he's just frozen <laughs> in space. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, because you never see him talking. No. You never see him animated. But, no. But yes, when Jerry walks in the room, he is just completely frozen. <laughs> With a look of terror uh-huh. on his face. Yeah, but it's obvious that when she's away, he's not because he moves from place to place yeah. and he gets in different positions. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Those are some of the funniest moments are are, are, are just the, the father. Oh, Oh my God! And some of her lines. Oh God! I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a couple now that are gonna offend a bunch of listeners. But I miss Moist as a snack. Oh, down there. I hated that line. Oh, 
<laughs> God, I can't stop laughing thinking about that. And it's probably been 10 years since I've seen it. But yeah, so dear listeners, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't given this one a shot, you really need to check out Strangers with Candy. With a caveat, it is, it is, it is irreverent. Uh, it is obscene. It is, it is obscene. It is poking fun of society as a whole. Yes. And the after school special specifically. And it's really, really funny. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, it's like I said, I watched it every week without mm-hmm. fail. Yeah. I watched it in reruns. I have it on DVD plus the movie. I, you know, I enjoyed the show. It it's, it's 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 my level of toilet humor, and I'm okay yes. with it. Yes, you yes. Know, just and really it's, smartly, it's really smartly wit- written toilet I, humor too. Oh, I think so. I, I absolutely, absolutely. Amy Sedaris is a great writer. Oh yeah, you know. So she, I uh, must be in their genes because I mean, you know, her brother David also. Right. The so Saint Land Diaries NPR. by David. Yeah, yeah, by David Sedaris is incredible. If you've never read it or heard it, at Christmas time he talks about being. Uh, an elf at the Santa display in Macy's department store in New York city. Mm-hmm. And it's hysterical and heartwarming and wonderful all at the same time. Awesome. Good stuff. Glad you covered that one. Well, thank you, sir. I'm, 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 I'm seriously envisioning that, uh, that Dr. Rod is screaming at somebody because of this episode. <laughs> I hope he's probably to, us. I hope he's trying to crawl through his radio right now. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I certainly hope so. I can't wait to hear just the vile things he's going to say to us. <laughs> well, well, I think we, we, we opened the show with something he said, which uh-huh. is why we did this in the first place. Yeah. So, so hope you enjoyed your, uh, your episode, Dr. Rock, you know, and okay. So I'm going to throw it out here. Here's what's funny about that. So he told us to not do this episode. Yes. He did not want us to do this episode. Yeah. Well, this is karma biting him in the ass uh-huh. because he and I went to a bar one night uh-huh. and he was going to go put money in the jukebox and he goes, Hey, what do you want to hear? And I said, um, play me some Pink Floyd. I'm in the mood for some Pink Floyd, but play, but, and play anything but money. Uh-huh. And so he goes to the jukebox, music starts playing, suddenly money starts playing and i turned to him and i said why in the fuck did you ask me what i wanted to hear and then play what i asked you to not play i hate this song i think it's the worst pink floyd song why did you do this and he goes well you said play anything but money and i couldn't find that so i thought you were just mistaken so i played money so this is karma Biting you in the ass, Dr. Rod. <laughs> Enjoy it. Suck it. So, there we go. Nice. So, on that, I guess we turn over to the murdery side of the house. Murder. So, for this episode, um, I got my information off Wood TV 8, uh, WC, WBCK 95.3 News Talk, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, um, a particular blog that I'll talk about, uh, some information on Wikipedia. And this is an episode that I had slated earlier, uh, but we had to push it for some others. Um, and it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very messed up case. Um, and this is the story of, Mar- <clears throat> of Marvin Gabrion. 
Um, Marvin Gabriel was born on October 18th, 1953. He was the fifth of six children. And he had two brothers, Mike and David, as well as two sisters, Yvonne and Christine. Um, Yvonne described Martin as, quote, a really good little boy who was happy all the time and seemed to get along with everybody, while Christine remembered him as being very shy and quiet. Uh, Mike, on the other hand, described Marvin as very nerdish. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but, you know. Uh, the Gabrian family lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan during his early years before they moved to a cabin in Wahala, Michigan. Uh, when Marvin was 12, the family moved to White Cloud, Michigan. Um, they said that Marvin, as a boy, he worked odd jobs. He'd clean boats, he mowed lawns, he did other yard work, uh, but he was the only one of his brothers to do this, so just trying to bring in some money. Okay. Uh, he was considered a good student until his last year of high school, and he played sports throughout. Uh, while generally staying out of trouble. One of his teachers later said that Marvin had no disciplinary issues in high school, but he had a a high number of absences his senior year. I have a feeling this was related to his home life, which we're going to get into in a minute. Um, He did have a high IQ, but his grades were low. Uh, A high school girlfriend once described him as a nice guy who was fun-loving and sweet. So his home life, uh, Marvin's father often came home drunk, and regularly made fun of Marvin and mistreated him. So, so this is where we, you know, we talk about the, I talked about in, uh, in our bonus episode, uh, the McDonald triad. Yes. Um, this is one of those is being mistreated and humiliated. That's one of the three. So the McDonald triad is what makes a serial killer, which is yeah. why I was interested in studying this. Um, <clears throat> but being humili- being humiliated is one of the key factors, and it's somebody that's acting out, um, trying to move past that humiliation. They have no other outlet, so they go to violence. His father did have a bad temper. Uh, he once repeatedly slammed Marvin's head into a two-by-four because Marvin had been trying to burn garbage near the house. And when Marvin was a very young child, he became very ill, uh, and his father refused to have him seen by a doctor. It wasn't until Marvin came down with a, with a really high fever and started acting strange that the family took him to the hospital. Uh, doctors diagnosed him with pneumonia and operated on him to remove a leather-like material from his lungs. Don't know what that was. Weird. Uh, Marvin's parents would often leave their children alone in the home, leaving his sisters to care for Marvin and his brothers. Uh, when the family lived in Walhalla, uh, uh, Marvin's father lived in Grand Rapids and only came home on the weekends. Uh, his mother would also leave for long periods of time. Uh, on one occasion, she took Marvin's brother David and stayed with another man for several months. On another occasion, she had a nervous breakdown, and the children were removed from the home for a time. Uh, Once when the children were alone, Marvin became sick and developed such a high fever, he became delirious and walked outside in the snow, and his his siblings found him lying in the snowbank. So, yeah, not, not, not treated very well. No. Um, No, and I'm, I'm kind of concerned about the, uh, the beating his head against a two by four. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Head injury. No, absolutely. Um, you know, as you may have guessed, the marriage of Marvin's parents was not a very stable one. Uh, both parents were involved in extramarital affairs and they often fought very often in front of the children. 
Christine once said that she recalled her parents arguing and physically fighting, including scratching and hitting one another. One time they knocked each other's teeth out, front teeth out. And Yvonne remembered a time when her mother threw a butcher knife at her father. Wow. Yeah, this 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 pretty much escalates. So, you know, no one's really providing him, Marvin, with a positive influence. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvin's mother took the children to siphon gas uh, for her car. Uh, Mike, his brother, began using drugs at a young age and moved out when he was in high school. And both Mike and David were involved in criminal activity and spent a significant time in jail. So, again, we have zero positive, really, in his life. Um, you know, and that's 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 pretty much it for his early life. Uh, so, from here, we're going to skip ahead to 1996. And uh, we're going to talk about 17-year-old Rachel Helena Timmerman. Uh, she had given birth to Shenandoah Verhedge. Verhedge. Um, she was from a broken home herself from Cedar Springs, Michigan, and she began having problems with her family. So they sent Shannon, uh, her child, her baby, they sent Shannon to live with Shannon's paternal grandparents. <laughs> have to get that, have to get that right. Uh, I really don't have anything on Shannon's father, but Rachel apparently had a good relationship with his family. His family really seemed to love her and love and love the baby. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, they took in the baby and, 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 and Rachel was welcome over there. So, uh, a a better place to be than her own home, which was really kind of fairly broken. Yeah. Uh, six weeks after Shannon's birth on August 7th, 1996, uh, Rachel had been invited to a card game by a family friend named Wayne David and a classmate of Rachel's named Mikey Gabrion, Marvin Gabrion's nephew. Uh, Mikey, Wayne, and Marvin uh, went to Rachel's house to pick her up. And on the way to the card game, Marvin allegedly forced Mikey and Wayne out of the car before driving off. And then Marvin then proceeded to violently beep, beat and rape Rachel three times. Oh. Um, and, and what's weird in these stories, I don't know if he left her there or took her home or what. I found no information on how she got home. But she did. Uh, because she told her mother, Velda, immediately what happened, uh, but that she, but that she was afraid to press charges because Marvin said that if she did, he would kill both her and Shannon. Wow. Um, however, the next day she reported the rape to the police. Okay. Uh, at first, according to Shannon's grandmother, Kim Verhage, the police did not believe Rachel and did nothing for several months. What? And this is 1996? This was 1996. Okay. It's not the first time we've talked about police missteps and police failure to action, but that's exactly what it is here. Because six months later, I guess maybe they did some investigation, maybe not, I don't know. But on January 20th, 1997, Marvin was arrested and charged with the crime. Okay. Uh, but he would be released on bail two weeks later. Um. According to Rachel's family, um, it, 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 as you would imagine, the rape had a horrible effect on her, both physically and mentally. Yeah. Uh, she had a lot of difficulty trusting other people. Yeah. She was just going to go play cards. Right. Right. I mean, she got a six-week-old at the, at the house. It's like, hey, why don't you go play cards with those folks? Mm-hmm. You, you know, get out of the house for a little while. Right. Yeah. And then and that happens to her. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no. I, that's fine. Uh 
she did. They they did say in the months following the rape, uh, she did attempt to turn her life around. Uh, she went to live with Shannon's grandparents full time at yeah. that point. Like I yeah. said, they had a great relationship. Uh, Kim Verhage said that Rachel's living conditions with her family were horrible, and Rachel wanted them. Wa- Rachel wanted Shannon to stay away from there. So that's when they said, "You know what? Come, Why don't li- you come, come live with us. Come stay with us." Um, Rachel did begin repairing the relationship with her family in May 1997. And she had planned to move into her father's home with Shannon during the summer. So they, they've really repaired it, and she's decided she's she's going to move home. Yeah. Um, they said that she had been focusing all of her time on her daughter, her family, and her work at a local restaurant. Okay. Um, but then as the date got closer for Marvin's preliminary hearing, uh, Rachel began worrying about testifying against Marvin. Because, yeah. again, she told her parents that Marvin had threatened her several times. He said he would kill her and Shannon. Uh, she said she was having recurring nightmares about Marvin and believed he would kill her. Okay. Uh, her father, though, he told her, he, "Hey, I'll help you with the trial. I'll be there with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll take we got care this. Of this. Yeah." Um, on June third, nineteen ninety-seven, Rachel's parents said she really seemed happy—the first time she'd been really truly happy for a while. Uh, she told her father she was going on a date with a man she met at work, um, and she said the man asked her to bring Shannon along, and she would be home within a few hours. Rachel and Shannon never returned. The next day, Rachel's father received a letter, allegedly from Rachel, saying she was going on vacation and that she had eloped. Uh, The letter appeared to be in Rachel's handwriting and stated that she had willingly left to elope with a man unknown to her family and that she wanted to make a fresh start. Uh, Her father was concerned because Rachel had just started her job and was supposed to testify soon. Um, on June 5th, Marvin had his preliminary hearing, but Rachel didn't show. And without Rachel's testimony, authorities were forced to drop the rape charges and Marvin went free. Um, 11 days later, the prosecutor for the case received a letter, again allegedly from Rachel, that was postmarked from Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. And the letter said that Rachel had tried to have sex with Marvin, but when he refused, she made up the rape allegation. The same day, Rachel's father also received a letter postmarked from Little Rock. And the letter said that Rachel and Shannon were fine. She would contact him when she had a permanent address, and she would call him soon. The call would never come. Two weeks later, on the morning of July 5th, the decomposed body of a young woman was found on Oxford Lake in the Huron uh, Manistee National Forest in Nuago County. Uh, the body was identified as Rachel. Uh, she had been wrapped in chains and weighed down further with cement blocks that had been padlocked to the chains. She had duct tape over her mouth and eyes. Um, disturbingly, the autopsy determined Rachel had been thrown into the lake alive and drowned. Oh. Um, but there was no trace of Shannon, of, of Shannon at all. Uh, authorities theorized that whoever kidnapped Rachel forced her her to write the letters on June 3rd, so the letters everybody was getting. Um, After dumping Rachel into the lake, they theorized the killer then mailed the letters. Yeah, but they were postmarked from Little Rock. Right. Um, Police immediately suspected Marvin and went to his home. Uh, Police did find cinder blocks on the property that matched those uh, found tied to Rachel's body. Uh, They believe Marvin killed Rachel in order to prevent her from testifying against him at trial. However, Marvin fled the area before police could arrest him. 
Um, Marvin was not the only person that turned up missing in the police investigation. Um, the first person to go missing was Wayne Davis. If you remember, he was one of the two men that he kicked out of the car yeah. uh, the night of Rachel's rape. Yeah. Uh, Wayne ag- had agreed to testify against Marvin at, th- at his trial, but he vanished a few days after Marvin was released from jail. Wayne's home was found undisturbed after his disappearance was discovered, except for a stolen stereo system. This was later found in Marvin's possession. Uh, John Weeks was the second person to go missing. Uh, He was an acquaintance of Marvin's who worked for him as a handyman and was a friend of Rachel's who asked her out on a date a few weeks prior to her death. Investigators later learned that John's girlfriend had caught him on the phone with Rachel, and Marvin asked John to ask Rachel out. Okay. Uh, he was later identified as the person that picked, uh, that picked her and Shannon up on the day of their disappearances. And then John vanished in late June of 1997. Uh, before he vanished, he told his girlfriend he was leaving with a friend to go to Texas the girlfriend contacted Marvin not after not hearing from John, and Marvin told her that he left John in Arizona. Huh. Uh, authorities brought the FBI in to investigate the case. Yeah, because we're crossing state lines now. Uh-huh. Yeah. They did discover Marvin was using the alias of Robert Allen. Uh, the house Marvin was living in when Rachel's body was found was owned by Robert Allen. The real Robert Allen was a mentally disabled transient who vanished in 1995. And in October of 97, Marvin was arrested in Sherman, New York, when he was found cashing Robert Allen's Social Security checks. Wow. All the way in upstate New York. Yep. Well, this guy was, this guy was going all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, he, the, 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 the whole Little Rock thing, yeah. he's pass, he can pass through Little Rock on the way going up yeah. north. Uh, Marvin was convicted and sentenced to five years in federal prison for Social Security fraud in 1998 for the Social Security check cashing. In June of 99, uh, Marvin was officially indicted for Rachel's murder. Several witnesses witnesses claimed to see him and uh, with her and another man believed to be John Weeks uh, near Oxford Lake the day after she vanished. Uh, the witnesses recalled him driving a distinct pickup truck with a uh, with a with a boat attached, and two days after that, his neighbor saw him dragging a metal boat on his gravel driveway. Uh, the neighbor also saw him pulling out two life vests, three concrete blocks, and a length of chain from the boat. Uh, he then pulled it into the garage uh, where he ground off the serial numbers. When police searched Marvin's home, they found two keys that matched the padlocks found on Rachel's body. Also, the concrete blocks at his home were stained with tar and paint materials, which were also attached to Rachel's body. Uh, Marvin's nephew later led investigators to his campsite near Oxford Lake, where they found bolt cutters, another length of chain, duct tape, a woman's hair clip, and silicon nipples for a baby bottle. Pretty, pretty convincing wow, that these yeah. are all his. Uh, several witnesses also testified to Marvin's propensity for violence. Um, two of them described how their homes had been set on fire shortly after a disagreement with him. Uh, by the way, setting fires is another part of that McDonald triad. Okay. <laughs> like I said, we'll get to that in another episode, but I'm just kind of bringing it up because I've been researching that. Uh, another, another, uh, uh, so humiliation, uh, setting fires, and there's something else. Right. Okay. Prana. Yes. You want to know the third one? Yes, I do. Bedwetting. 
Bedwetting, cruelty to animals, and setting fires um, are are the three uh, things in the McDonald Triad that they they say in in case after case has been very common with serial killers, um, not necessarily just murderers, but serial killers for sure. Okay. Um, bedwetting comes to the humiliation part, like that's why I was pointing out with uh, with Marvin humiliation. Um, setting fires is a way to release that anger or rage. The same thing with killing animals because you can overpower the animals to help get rid of that humiliation. And setting you fires, have. you have power over the fire. Oh, right. Yeah. right. I'm with you. I, I followed you now. Um, another witness described how he began shooting a bolt rack action rifle towards his home after he told, uh, after, after he told them to, to, to leave. Another described how he trained a rifle on her and her two-year-old as she walked to her car one day and then climbed into his truck and followed them for miles. Another testified as to how he sexually assaulted her in her home. Yet another testified that he beat and kicked him, punched his wife in the face, and then punched his teenage son after the witness interrupted a card game to retrieve heart medicine for his uncle. And yet another said that Marvin claimed he could shoot anyone in the neighborhood, and the next day his house was shot at by Marvin. In March of uh, 2002, a federal jury convicted Marvin in Rachel's murder, and he was later sentenced to death. Um, Michigan actually abolished the the death penalty in 1946, Mm -hmm. but because the crime was in a federal government-owned forest, this fell under U.S. federal law, uh, which authorized the death penalty regardless of state law. Okay. Uh, Wayne Davis's body was found in Twinwood Lake in July of 2002, which was uh, another body of water in the same national park where Rachel's body was found. Uh, he was killed in a similar fashion as Rachel and Marvin, uh, and, and or as Rachel and Marvin remains the prime suspect. Uh, however, Shannon Verhage, John Weeks, and Robert Allen all still remain missing. While awaiting trial for Rachel's murder, Marvin gave another prisoner a map of Oxford Lake on which he had written, quote, body of three, one found. And while incarcerated, he told two inmates that he killed the baby because there was nowhere else to put it. Uh, Marvin did appeal his sentence and conviction, but it was upheld in 2006. And in 2011, Marvin's death sentence conviction was overturned and it was changed to life in prison. In May of 2012, Marvin's death sentence was reinstated by the federal appeals court, stating that, quote, Michigan lacks a death penalty, that Michigan lacks a death penalty has nothing to do with these things. It has nothing to do with Gabriel's background or character. It has nothing to do with the reasons why he chose to kill Rachel Timmerman. It has nothing to do with the utter, utter depravity of the manner in which he killed her, and above all, has nothing to do with his culpability for that offense or with any other consideration the Supreme Court has ever flagged as mitigating. Gabriel does not even argue to the contrary. So there's that. Um, At the time of her disappearance, Shannon was just 11 months old. Uh, Her family described her as a happy baby that brought them a lot of joy. Uh, She had begun taking her first steps before she vanished. She has blonde hair, blue eyes. Uh, She was two feet, six inches tall and weighed about 30 pounds. She has a strawberry birthmark on the back of her neck at the hairline. Uh, and Shannon was last seen wearing a tricolor dress and a diaper. Today, Shannon would be 24 years old. 
anyone with information on the disappearance or whereabouts of Shannon Verhage is asked to contact the Michigan State Police at 989-732-5141. The last thing I have here, uh, Marvin Gabriel is now 67 years old. He's been on death row for almost 20 years. Uh, On July 1st, 2021, the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced a moratorium on the federal death penalty while the Justice Department reviews policies and procedures, including the use of lethal injection phenobarbital. And that's the story of Marvin Gabrion and the murder of Rachel Timmerman. That is awful all the way around. Yeah. And again, okay, so I realize that that I, I may be in the minority. I don't believe... I don't believe we should be using the death penalty. I don't think that I don't think that advances society. I think what we really ought to be doing is studying these people and trying to figure out how we don't make more of them. Oh, I don't disagree with you. And well, and because hey, because once he's dead, we can't study him right. anymore. Well, and 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 we saw it in this. We've seen it in so many others. Um, you want to know how to stop people like this? Treat your fucking kids right. Yeah, don't treat, beat your kids. Treat them like people. Treat yeah. them like kids. Treat them well. You don't have to spoil your kids. You don't no. have to go over the moon. But don't beat them. Give them a good don't, home. Don't walk out. Don't walk out the door and not come back for two or three weeks. Right. And leave you know four and five year olds in the care of eight and nine year olds. Right. Don't do it. Right. And these are, I mean, these are a lot of the things that 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 we see in the early lives of. You know, a lot of these murderers that we've covered, uh, very, I, I, the only one I can think about that we didn't see anything was, was, uh, Bart Whitaker, nothing in his past really yeah. showed that, that, the, you know, the propensity for yeah, murder. He, but, but so far we've covered uh, what, uh, 30, 33, 34 of these things. And that's the only one. Right. Right. That is the only one we have seen. Well. The machines are taking over. Good Lord Almighty. <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, I mean, we haven't had murders in every single one, but but yeah, we've we've had at least 28. Yeah. Because um, we've had a few that there haven't been. But, uh, but, but yeah, we seem to point time and time again to these murderers, you will see abuse in their life. Yeah. Um, Abuse or neglect. Well, and as I as I've been studying now into, into the McDonald Triad, humiliation. Mm-hmm. Humiliation is a big thing, and 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 I understand that because when you're l- not just teased, I, I mean, I, I know teasing can be a bad thing, especially for kids and whatnot. But when you are humiliated, yes. That's hard to crawl out of. Yeah. That's because humiliation, is, it, it can tear at your soul. Yeah. Um, and so that's just one of those. Uh, another one of those that if, 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 if we would just, j- just treat your kids right. Yeah. We, we could avoid a lot of this, yeah. I think. I, you know, because, again, I don't think that serial killers are born. I think no. they're made. Yes, they're made. And, and I think that it's, it's family or society that makes them. Yeah. So. It, it, is, it is on all of us. Yes. If you see something, say something. Uh, absolutely. Because, you know, you, a, another good way to stop someone from becoming a serial killer is to save them when they're children. Oh, yes. Yes. So if you see something, say something. Absolutely. Absolutely.
So that takes us to the end of another recording week. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you, uh, sir. Appreciated uh, uh, the the show as a whole. Um, so, as a reminder to everybody, uh, if you like what you're hearing, please do go to iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. Please rate us where you can. Yeah. Um, that's very very important. Uh, the 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 ratings not only help us, but help get our content out to others. Uh, so it's you know. It, it's something free you can do. It doesn't cost you anything to go leave a five-star rating. So yep. please, if you're enjoying the show, please yes. go do that. Uh, also, I, if you've got ideas on things we could do or ways we could improve, we want to hear them. Absolutely. We'll and, try anything. And and you can get our contact info on info on our website, where nerderandmurder.com. Uh, all of our social media links, as well as our email contact info. So you can contact us through any of those platforms, uh, at any point, uh, that that you want to reach out to us. would love to see discussions, uh, on our Facebook page for, uh, any of our episodes, you know, what you think of, of the episode, what you think of the nerdery side, what you think of the murdery side, any thoughts, uh, you have on the cases that, 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 and stories that we're covering. So please, uh, also when you're on our website, do check out our merchandise where you can get all of your fan logo merchandise and show off. I have a sticker right here. Zig has a sticker right there. Mine's on my car now. Uh, you can also find our Patreon where if you wish to help, uh, help us with our costs of the show, we do sincerely appreciate all of our patrons. Please. And thank you. Please. And thank you. Uh, And with that, I have been Zig with your nerdery. And I'm Jeffrey with your murdery. Cue the music.